0: Greetings, nerds. This is Seaman Nerd. I'm your host Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer Will Polk. How are you doing tonight, Will?
1: Doing very well, Sarah. How are you doing?
0: Doing good. I just rewatched two reactions to the Black Widow trailer.
1: Ooh, and what is your reaction to the Black Widow trailer?
0: I can't get that uh, music, that score, out of my head.
1: In a good way or bad way?
0: In a good way. I mean, I, yeah. I really like it. It's yeah. It is, um, it is definitely its own identity, which mm-hmm. I appreciate.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but it's also not as out there as, say, Wonder Woman's score, where everyone now associates that sound with Wonder Woman, yeah. and they should be. But it's also, it's almost too much. And, um, but I've noticed a trend where uh, female superheroes get a lot of really good scores. I remember liking Captain Marvel's score a lot because it had that alien element, and this has a very action, Mission Impossible, um, born identity, bond type feel to it, but also um, it's almost elevated. Um, I don't know. I I really like the trailer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a good trailer. It is a good trailer. It is a good trailer, and, and we can we've come to expect very solid trailers from the MCU, and, and this one definitely you know falls into that uh, as well. Um, you know, the, you, you mentioned the score, and I actually I, I did I watched uh, the trailer again this evening before we recorded, and it is a very uh, memorable score uh, for a trailer, and really helps set the tone for this movie, especially you know. Uh, folks, you know, whenever I first heard Black Widow, I was kind of mm, on the fence about whether or not we needed this film, especially given that we we know her her end game, no pun intended. Uh, but it 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 definitely has gotten me more interested. I, I you know before I was like, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll go see it because I'm a completist and 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 all. But now I'm actually looking forward to seeing the film.
0: Yeah. I, Comic-Con really changed my sentiment about this film when, when Kevin Feige says that this will be necessary for the next phase. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why they're, they're having it lead off the next phase, even though it is set, um, during this space between infinity war and civil war, um, That But there's a purpose, and I just have to have trust in that. And and they sold just the movie alone with that trailer. Um, Florence Pugh, I'm really looking forward to seeing, because she's starting to be in everything I watch right now. And Mm -hmm. she's on the rise, and I like that. And Scarlett Johansson is just continuing to ride this wave of ultra, like fandom and a celebrity who can do all genres. And I think that's very cool. So I'm good. Uh, they There's a lot of trailers that keep dropping. Yeah. I mean, Mulan or James Bond trailer dropped with Rami Malek.
1: Yeah. I like that I'm, trailer.
0: I'm not a Bond person. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good trailer. Yeah. I am still not a Bond person. and And I... There are parts, I, I mean, I like Rami Malek playing the bad guy, mm-hmm. and he had some good lines. But does this look like, how do I say this? When I was watching the trailer, I was like, check, 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 yeah. check. Okay. Formal, like, it just, Bond is never going to be my thing. And not, no matter yeah. how good the trailer can be, I'm always going to see... The, it's never gonna work for me. So, so you can have your fun with that one, Will.
1: Uh, I agree with you 100%. As far as checking the boxes, it what I liked about the trailer, it it was just reminded me why Daniel Craig has become probably my favorite Bond. Uh, it's the physicality of his characterization of of and portrayal of Bond. His, I I know I was, some people may find him as James, you know, very bland, and uh, because he just doesn't emote with the, you know, one-liners that Pierce Brosnan did, for example, or even Roger Moore. But I but I think for these times, he's he's the he, you know, Bond is always the, you know, whenever you look at those films, they're they're really like time machines because they do capture the moment and mm-hmm. the mood mood of the period that they were filmed in. And so I think you know Daniel Craig definitely captures that th- these times as far as as bond uh the other I liked Rami. uh you know I thought he did have uh you know definitely is gonna have some presence as as a villain uh we know he can pretty much do just about anything now as far as uh, as far as his range as an actor and mm-hmm. and the other piece that I really loved about it, honestly was 006 the the yes that was the thing that i was like yes this is carrying this film modernizing it and and we may have opened the door for a finally a, a female james bond or a female agent who has a license to kill so hopefully and, this was the introduction for for future films for this character
0: where she almost picks up the the torch after this final Daniel Craig send-off performance and send-off movie. And what I want to say is, this is what scares me, though. Mm-hmm. Because she was featured, but she also, it, it still felt... Implanted among yeah. everything else that that we know Bond yeah. to be. Yeah. Um, and so, so in a way, it's like two different movies where I kind of wish they had just focused on editing a trailer and really selling the 007 and the W 06 dynamic and Mm -hmm. saying no, no, this is what you're going to get. This is going to be a team up and it's going to have, and and then wait for the second trailer to introduce Rami or, or to say, no, this is a genuine Bond film. Um, And so now it kind of worries that I'm starting to think about, I wonder how much she's actually going to be in the movie because are they holding back on purpose because she's only going to show up and they can't show you everything in the trailer? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but um but I'm right there with you. The scenes where she comes in, I suddenly felt like I was watching a different movie, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I was yeah. excited for that movie. And then it would circle back into the cliche bond isms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Whoa, whoa, okay. I'm I'm not and, and the trailer just go went on and on and on and I'm like, Okay, I've seen the yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have. I mean, it's like I said, it's not, it's not earth shattering. It, it is definitely paint by numbers as far as Bond and that genre. But, uh, but like I said, that was the, that was the thing that stood out for me in, in this particular trailer. So I'm excited to see it. But I'm a, I'm a Bond. I, I like Bond films. But this definitely, you know, ticks it beyond Rami being in it. This also makes me want to go see the film. It, it's
0: and maybe I'm being critical because I've also seen the Mulan trailer, the second mm. Mulan trailer. And a lot of us remember the first trailer where it was a, a very well done teaser. Yeah. And it also kind of made you question what what they were doing if they were going to go off book. Because we, we know the animated film, and we know certain beats, we know the songs, we know the character, we know the story. Mm-hmm. And that, tr- that teaser trailer, had elements but it also felt like you were going to get a new version a more realistic authentic version this trailer it, it was weird because as much as it as much as it, it really walked this fine line between nostalgia of the movie that we know mm-hmm. and the movie that they want to give to us next year and and I loved it yeah. I was watching it. I like how they didn't sing the lyrics, but you heard the metal melodies and mm-hmm. you're already filling in the blanks. And, mm-hmm. and my song is in it. And I a just, a, a very well done trailer. And that's what maybe my criticism of the bond trailer. That's maybe where it's coming from.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, that we trailer. I didn't, it caught me by surprise that it dropped today. Uh, and I, I i I loved it I mean just visually the song reflection mm-hmm. uh, it just it just reminded me why I love the teaser and it just I mean just the colors and the and the story it's just uh, i it, it was just a just awesome trailer and we've had you know two feature film trailers dropped this week we also had the crisis trailer for at least television drop we've had some star wars teasers but i mean this one just sold it i mean to me this was the standout trailer for 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 the week and uh for all the reasons why you what you mentioned and um you know i i just i'm looking forward to march to be able to see this film
0: this is probably the first version of these um Disney remakes that I'm mm-hmm. actually going to go see in theater because honestly, now that I think about it, I haven't seen a single one in theater.
1: I saw I... Lion King in theater, and I, and it was good. I mean, John Favreau yeah. killed. Yeah, it, I was pleasantly surprised. I, mm-hmm. I was going in thinking that oh, it's just going to be weird and and whatnot, and and that's just not going to work. It's just a cash grab. But it 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 really really worked very very well, and I think this one is going to exceed exceed Lion King.
0: Oh yeah, I had China. They they have a yeah. target audience right there, and yeah. China tends to. If you can break China records, yeah. then then you're going to dominate. Who yeah. knows? This could pass Endgame. Yeah, <laughs> <No. It could. laughs> I don't yeah. know. I don't know. <laughs> let's <laughs> not get
1: let's not get crazy. <laughs>
0: I'm just saying, it, Disney well, is but, really but, playing the market well, well right now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but but mark it down, December fifth, 2019. That, that if it breaks Endgame, we have it on we have it on tape.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have it on tape, and it was Sarah's theory, so we know it's not going to happen. <laughs> you have one more trailer listed on this rundown, serve that we will not talk about because I have not seen it, okay. and I want to watch it without your high expectations. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will. Okay, I'll be good. I won't. I won't spoil it for you. But just just for what folks know, what we're talking about the Boys season two trailer also dropped today, and. uh We, as folks know, we we both really enjoy season one. So uh, season two is around the corner next year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what's dropping more trailers or nuggets about crisis on infinite earth and what happens after crisis, even though crisis technically still hasn't happened. Dear Lord, yeah. How are we gonna get there? Because I know it's next week, but Jesus, I yeah. feel like this is the longest marathon ever. And this is yeah. why you shouldn't tease things a year in advance.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I've been this it, the week is finally here and uh it's it's like, wait a minute, is it really here? Because it has felt like such a marathon to get to this. And then Mark Guggenheim has been dropping shit all freaking week about mm-hmm. Little nuggets here, little nuggets there. I guess the big one today was there's going to be a comic book tie-in to Crisis,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, I think it's going to be in two parts, just like the just like the series the the crossover events going to be uh, the first part was if I uh, read I think it's going to be in between hour two and three of the story if I recall, um, and it's going to Half Felicity and Wally West and the Ray are going to be featured all characters that in the real world, they weren't able to, you know, work out scheduling, et cetera, for, um, you know, for filming, but, I'm, um, but they are, there's so much accord. The Guggenheim, there's so much story to tell that they decided to do this, uh, comic tie in with Marv Wolfman, who was the, uh, author of the original, uh, crisis books back in the mid eighties. So, uh, first one comes out the 15th of this month, and then the next one, uh, January 19, you can get them at Walmart, and then they'll mm-hmm. go to the comic book general comic book shops in uh, February of next year. So I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I you know it, it'll be nice to have this this additional tie-in with original content uh, for these characters, but also uh, they'll be bringing us some nuggets from other. From the original Crisis as well as uh, I believe Infinite Crisis A part of a hundred page Mega size comic uh, For all the fans out there
0: Dear lord I just I just want my five hours
1: yeah. <laughs> To be
0: done with it And to move on and watch the series Finale of Arrow and you know See what happens on Flash um, Before we get Into Arrow and Flash though I've had a lot of craziness In my life right now I've I've moved from Juneau to Fairbanks, and now I moved out of my parents' house and living on my own now in my new house, and so I still feel in this crazy state of transition. So sitting down and watching TV has been kind of very hard. Earlier this week I put on Batwoman, and initially I was not engaged in the episode. And then things started happening. Uh, We we get uh, Alice's plan, and, and she starts setting up the pieces of this tea party. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, I'm hooked in the yes. episode.
1: Yeah. With Sarah Belmont, like, actually tweets out the night of an episode how great a freakish show it was, then you know it was good. She yes. was there. Yeah.
0: I, I take, I, I tend to do praise very, not all the time. And so when something hits me, it really hits me. But Catherine's death the this this is what i love about it it is very and you may not get this reference will because for some reason you still haven't watched game of thrones but um (laughs) there is a death in um having to do with the dorns and i think season four no season five um that cersei is basically in place of alice in this scenario. Cersei, of course, takes it ten times further and makes it that much worse and sadistic than Alice did, but Alice is a DC villain, so we're going to get halfway there. Um, But very similar kind of thing, mother and daughter, um, you both took the poison, there's only an antidote for one. And and I just, there was something about it that the show needed stakes. Mm -hmm. Catherine has been around She's also not innocent. She's never been necessarily the best character around. Um, she's never tried to take the place of of um, anyone's mom, but but she was there. She's a character, and she's mm-hmm. not innocent. And and so to, to use her, and I love what this is going to do with Mary, mm-hmm. um, and Kate, and that relationship. And at the end, when when Mary says, "It was she worth worth it." Yeah. Um, that's a lot of guilt because is, I, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm very, it was, it was brilliant in my opinion, what they did.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That definitely is the highlight Well, of the episode. The, you know, I was, as as you know, I was not a big fan of Mary as mm-hmm. a character, but this death, of, of Catherine and, and 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 now looking back, it, I'm glad that they. At the time, I was annoyed by it, but I'm glad they set things up the way they did because mm-hmm. by doing that and how Mary wanted to be accepted by Kate and have this bond and you know doing all the goofy things and and whatnot, that whenever Catherine died and then they have the moment where Mary turns to Kate and say says was this all worth it 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 just makes it more devastating
0: right right
1: and 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 really you know moving forward you know kate having to carry that guilt around and how their relationship's going to fold the back half of the season because we were wondering like you can only we can only you know ride the the wave of alice's madness for so long but now they have this new dynamic between Kate and Mary, and the revenge angle, and so you know, I think the back half of for for one B is going to be. I'm seeing how this unfolds. I don't know how it's going to unfold. I mean, it is a CW. You know, these shows have a way of everybody kind of making mending fences and whatnot, but I'm I'm hoping that they will, as they are trying to establish their own voice, they, they take it in the opposite direction where there's going to be a rift and Mm -hmm. it's not going to be easily resolved in this first season that it's going to take time for Mary and Kate to, to establish some kind of relationship.
0: Right. Right. I, I, I really like that. Uh, The other part of that, that I, I thought was, really hit the nail on the hammer was when Mary talked about how, how many people in that clinic she saved mm-hmm. and yet she couldn't save her own mom. Yeah. yeah. And and so part of it, she's blaming Alice, mm-hmm. but she's also blaming herself because she knows her mom sacrificed herself and she's a doctor and she's supposed to save lives. And yet she couldn't do it. And, and there's, there's a lot. I, I think I I'm with you there. There needs to be a rift. Um, and it's, and just like how there was that rift between Kate and her dad. And by the end of this episode, cause they set him up, Alice yeah. p- made this, p- Alice and Mouse totally pulled all of the strings. Mm-hmm. So he would get caught at the end of it. Um, yeah. and, and make it seem like he was the one who poisoned Catherine and was the cause of her murder. And that also I thought was genius because yeah, yeah. Initially, I was like, oh, no, that's obviously Mouse posing. But it never occurred to me, like, oh, they're going to set him up mm-hmm. at the end of the episode.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, it was one of those things, too. Uh, it, it, uh, I, I really liked the way they set, they, they established that. And, you know, it was really at that moment when they was, whenever he was in the, getting in the vehicle was where I realized, like, oh, he's, oh, shit, they're, they're setting, they're setting mm-hmm. Jacob Kane up. Uh, and they did a yeah, and, and taking the real Jacob off the table for a while and, and having him locked up in Mouse's and and and, and Alice's old dungeon, you, you know, again was a very 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 good movement. And you know, this show each week continues to get better and better, and, and it's because of those types of moments. So, uh, yeah, that was that was very well played.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I really liked it. I um. I like how we're, this is one of the few shows right now on the CW where crisis is looming, yet this this episode was standout across mm-hmm. the board for me. It had nothing to do with crisis.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And it's been, it's good. It's good. Other than it's the, good. yeah, I, I think, and that's, you know, and even though I took it all, there really didn't have much to talk about Black Lightning this week. That's another thing I've liked about it as far as the CW superhero shows is, you know, it's just been doing its own thing and Mm -hmm. crisis is, is, is not even, you know, a whisper in in that universe right now. So it's been nice actually to have those two, these two shows deal with something other than crisis since, uh, since Supergirl has been such a letdown.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Supergirl has been a letdown, but, um, Shout out to Melissa Benoist for her recent statement she yeah. made about yeah. being um, a survivor of domestic abuse and Definitely. Definitely. Um, thoughts and prayers. And and I'm glad she she's communicated that and is using her platform. Mm-hmm. Um, good Lord only knows how scary that is um, for somebody to do. Um, yeah. But that's what celebrities, you know, every now and then. Um, those are the stories that need to be told from their yeah. perspectives that gets the ball rolling in other areas and other movements. So, definitely. um, yeah, yeah she, Supergirl can be a letdown, but I blame the writers, not necessarily Melissa yeah. for that.
1: Definitely not, definitely
0: not. Um, in other news, <laughs> Arrow <laughs> okay, Arrow was fine this week, they went back to Leanne Yu. Mm-hmm. A lot of ghosts and a lot of haunting. And and it, it felt like Barry and Oliver switched places this week. Where a few weeks ago, when the seasons first started, I was complaining because all, every Flash episode was about Barry learning to accept his fate. And, and basically getting everyone else around him to accept his fate. Yeah. Um, and this week, that was Arrow in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> it was. This very... Like weirdly intimate scene between Diggle and um, Oliver, which I was just so melodramatic, and and I get it, but I also am, I don't know, I I'm kind of just like let's let's get popcorn, let's kill this guy, and and move <laughs> on, and and I want to know what what how this all comes together because it's also interesting how um, that little piece about the the stone that the timeline we know, right? Mm-hmm. Right will. Right. Felicity gives that that to to Will. Mhm. Will uses it years later to go back to Lian Yu to find Rory mm-hmm. and that was last season. Yeah. Now I feel like the timeline has gotten a bit jumbled up.
1: It has. It has in two ways. I mean, cuz remember the, when we encountered Roy last season, and whenever he was only in you, and they fast forward to 2040, he 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 had both arms. Mhm. Mhm. Uh, now they you know they brought a little piece of a cannon into uh, just TV show with with Br- Roy losing uh, losing his arm. Uh, it's a little bit different circumstance than what happened in the comics, but again, it's they you know they brought those elements in and. Um, and also, uh, like you like you pointed out, the the stone uh, changing, uh, as far as the the narrative with that. So I, I think it was. What I think the the shifting of the timeline was another way of showing the evolution and how time is still fluid in this universe. Even though some things are predestined, like the crisis, uh, other pieces of the the timeline is uh, to. to, to bring back uh, last season from the, uh, the flash time is malleable so mm-hmm. and and i think that was that was part of it i, I, I did want to disagree with you though about uh, oliver and diggle scene i actually loved it uh, you would yeah. i would I, I i did i did it i you know it was i've really liked overall i've really liked uh, this this season of arrow it, it's if there's a way for a show to go off on its own terms. This is this is how you do it. Uh, they chose to end things, and and are able to. And they're not, they're putting nice bows on each part of of their story and and the evolution of of Oliver's as as a character. Mm-hmm. And and so you know, so it was very fitting for them to to end this part of the journey back at Lee and you and and for him to have that and you're right they did sort of flip things where the first part of 6a for the flash has been Barry training everybody to get ready and then now you know the last couple episodes as you know, Barry's accepted his fate Oliver was the yeah, exact op- like you said, the exact opposite. Now he's trying to get everybody else used to the idea, and in particular, You know, with and his his last time there with Diggle, um, to accept things, and and I, it was just a very fitting sort of closure for those two two characters, uh, because I don't think that there will be a moment in the crisis uh, for them to have that moment. So I, I thought it was very fitting for them to do it here. And then, and I and I liked a little touch that where Oliver was like, knowing knowing his predestined fate, as far as we know. Of course, they may change things. Um, making sure that you know Diggle and Felicity and and William and Mia all you know have that you know make sure that family stays together uh, because right. Oliver got that second chance that. He got to see. He, he got to see his his offspring grow up and to, to do something for not be, be something else as mm-hmm. he's as he's talked about in his intros through this season. Uh, and so I, I liked that. I thought it worked very well, and it, and it hit the right emotional beat for me.
0: Right. And then on the flash, we we've had two back to back episodes, part one and part two of the Last Temptation of Barry Allen, where him and Bloodwork go head into head, mind into mind, blood into blood. However you want to put it, I, the first part, uh, the first episode that aired last week, loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt very of of the flash of yep. old you yep. know yep. Um, a lot of mind gr- games a lot of trickery i love the use of the speed force and mm-hmm. and blood work and how he manipulates the truth and then manipulates her essentially or the speed force itself into being this curse and not a blessing and all of that i thought i th- and i did pull together some themes that have been um they've been alluding to about service and sacrifice and and um, what it means to be a hero and all of that. Yeah. Second episode. Um, for me, it was a cheap horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it just, I don't know there. It was, it was, I was, I was personally, I was out of that episode the mm-hmm. whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that really stood out to me was the use of killer frost or the, yeah. the not use. And, and I I don't know, maybe it's because I, I saw a headline about criticizing how The Flash uses her, her and... And they made some promises leading into the season that some people are thinking that they're not fulfilling, and so I had that stuck in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this episode, I was kind of like, oh, oh, that's that's nice that all of a sudden we get Caitlin back just in time for a crisis. And I don't know, it just yeah. there was it, the episode didn't work. I mean, it started to towards the end when when Iris realizes that very is um he has his own plan and um, so she she gets to trust her husband and um, everything worked out in the end
1: yeah I I agree with you hundred percent last week's episode was it was vintage flash mm-hmm. I, I had I, I got first season vibes from that um, I you know I think I have it really the last two episodes I had it has been real excellent work from Grant Gustin. I haven't felt like he has been this engaged as, as, as the flash and as a presence as much as he's been these last couple episodes. I mean, I think overall this, the first half of the season, um, has been, it's been obviously it's, it's much improved from what we've had the, the previous two. Uh, but it, it seemed it, it's taken a while for it to, to come together. Um, so I thought Grant's work was great. The second part two, I I liked the episode. I I, I, I will freely admit I fast-forwarded through uh, the parts where Cecile and Camilla were being chased because I thought that uh, it really didn't add anything. Um, and 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 again, it's just sort of. Um, you know, I've complained about this before, where I, I think they just try to jam too much in a, such a large ensemble cast. Sometimes it's okay to um, not focus on some of the secondary characters as much. Uh, the, the other part that I wish that they could have spent a little bit more time on was uh, Nash, Wells, and down in the tunnel. Um, I felt that part was a bit rushed, uh, especially given that uh, eventually, you know, we, we saw the uh, at the end there. I think obviously he's being pulled in to become pariah. Uh, but uh, it, you know, cheap special, the cheap horror film. Yeah, it, it did have that. It could have been easily a Halloween episode. Uh, but I, I but I, I still enjoyed it, and mm-hmm. and and I I liked some of the little Easter eggs they threw in there. As far as you know, the if the Flash ever went bad, they had their own um flash defense and you know it was a nice little nod to the Batman doing the same uh against the, the JSA if, if they ever went rogue. Um and the other other I, I like the interplay between Cisco and, and Iris because uh it Cisco again these two episodes have really felt like the Cisco of old. Um,
0: right, right. And, I would so, agree with
1: that. Yeah. And so it's, you know, so it had all those nice beats and it was a good lead in to, to Crisis. Uh, but but I agree with you about Caitlin. They still haven't figured out what the hell they want to do with her.
0: Right. Right. Um, in other DC TV news, uh, Titans wrapped last Friday. Yeah. Um, they aired their season two finale. We know we're going to a season three finale. They killed Donna. Mm-hmm. Donna Troy um, should have seen it coming way before the episode. Um, so shout out to them on that; they did good during the episode. There was a thought early on that they were going to kill Donna, and then <laughs> <laughs> and then they happen. It did happen in a very awkward way, in my opinion, um, because it wasn't really a part of one of the main fight sequences. It was like an after the fact kind of deal, yeah. which was lame mm-hmm. but I get it you know they're still working out the kinks in their armor clear setup of season three we we knew that was coming with Black Star. Yeah. very very excited to see that um, because Corey's becoming one of my favorite characters if not my favorite character on this show so I'm very glad that she gets to be focused on um, and essentially it's just about Dick realizing that the Titans are his family, and yeah. the, all of these people who were doing some bad things—they um, they get back into it, and and the Cadmus brainwashing ends um with some help from Bruce R- Wayne. Ravenger is now—we don't know what happened to Jason Todd, though.
1: Yeah, he, well, you notice that? I know he just basically—he was kind of—he stayed on the shadows at Donna's funeral, and. Then he just drives off on his motorcycle.
0: Yeah, yeah. So so that's gonna be a story thread about what happens with his character mm-hmm. or um, how he comes back because he definitely has some some ties. Ravenger now is a part of the team, along with Superboy, and most importantly, Crypto.
1: Yes. I've,
0: I've missed that dog. For so a, a s- while there, I was like, "Where is the dog?" And then he comes running by, and I'm like, "Thank the Lord!" They need <laughs> that dog.
1: They do need the dog. They do need crypto. We, yeah, crypto's back. Gar's back. I, 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 I liked parts of the finale. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> they still have it. They still have a stuck to landing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I felt that. I mean, I loved. That we you know we finally got we finally got Nightwing, uh. It's been a slow burn getting to that point, and uh, and Dick showing up in in the Nightwing costume was great, but at the same time I felt like we spent all this time with him trying to escape Bruce Bruce and Bruce's influence and everything, and what does he do? He goes to Bruce Bruce's uh. Wardrobe or costumer, to to build him a new suit of armor, and I'm like, duh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, uh, okay, could we come up. Yeah, I thought you were trying to get away from Bruce, but so it was a little, you know, I'm still, I mean, I'm still underwhelmed by by the Bruce Wayne and Titans, and so maybe that's maybe that's part of it too. Um, but uh, the all the other the other thing that where I I, I was I felt was too, very rushed was the, uh, the end the death stroke. I mean, we spent all season with, you know, with the story. And then basically it's, he's dispatched in the first 15 minutes of the show. And I'm just like, um, really, you know, I, I would have spent, I would have stayed, had spent a little bit more time on that, but I know they were trying to wrap up the threads with Gar and, and Connor, uh, being brainwashed as far as Cadmus and, um, and so they had to spend, you know, they had to wrap that, that part of the story up as well. So that was, that was really my main quibbles with the, with the uh, finale. But uh, I mean, overall, I, I really enjoyed season two. It, it was much improved from um, the, the first season and uh, they're, they're, they're finally, I think, starting to figure out how they want to structure the show
0: right i mean that's what at the end of the day i've i have my quibbles with the show i will always make fun of rachel i will always have an issue with rachel and a few other characters but this is a massive improvement Mm -hmm. um the characters i'm still interested to see what happens to them i i'm kind of angry that they killed donna because she was starting to become a really good character as well very three-dimensional and then they they kill her. Oh, she didn't sleep with Dick, so obviously she's the one who gets killed.
1: You're yeah.
0: saying there's a trend. Yeah. Don't, um,
1: yeah. Don't worry though. I think if uh, if they if they say if they stay true to the comics, we haven't seen the end Donna, of Donna Troy.
0: Right. Right. Well, there's that too, and then we'll get into a few, huge discussion about stakes, but essentially. Um, because this was such a ginormous improvement on season one I can only imagine what season three will be considering there are some s- kinks for them to work out um, as long as they continue to, to do that and not say oh we've cracked the code because no you haven't because you're exactly right killing Deathstroke the first 15 minutes of the season finale and you're just like what well, well we should have known that was coming considering they halfway through they introduce Connor and then you go on this Cadmus Detour, and you have to now. You're juggling two massive storylines, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it happened. L- glad it got renewed, um, and and glad we're sticking with the show. What else? Watchmen. Okay, I, I haven't I haven't watched this episode, and we were talking about it during the pre-show. I am not in the state of watching Watchmen right now. <laughs> it is so dense. And um, I I mentally and, uh, granted, physically cannot take the density. And, and it really annoys me because this summer, I really wish this was a summer TV show because that's when there's nothing else on mm-hmm. and you just want to read a really good book. And yet they wait until the fall where, where it has to. And it's not competing because I've seen the numbers. I've seen the reports. Watchmen is killing it on yeah. ratings. Yeah. I get it. It's not that. It's just that, with with everything else going on, it's really hard to find time to sit down and really get into the show. Um, for me, at least, and that's just because I mean you know more than others about what's everything that's going on with me right now. Yeah. So, so it's just I I watched the second last week's episode, yeah. but I also didn't really watch it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, there was—I mean, there were some things that I think you could probably expand on with the nostalgia and Angela's journey into Will Reeves's life. It was—I mean—that episode last week, and I—I I don't want to spoil for for you this this week as far as what happens. We could—you could, could spend—we could really spend a whole once you get a chance to really go back and rewatch it and digest what happens in last week's episode which, uh, you know, we get we see the impact of the, the nostalgia and, and learned the backstory of Hooded Justice. I mean, I thought that was brilliant how they took the comic book canon and completely twisted on itself, really got into these things that they've been discussing all season as far as racism, and then you also throw in the homophobia with the two FBI, the two agents who were, like, questioning who they thought was Hooded Justice. And the themes of vigilanteism, and, uh, you know, Will Reese's wife telling him, hey, um, you know, you're not going to get justice with a badge, but maybe with that hood. I mean, those, it was just such such phenomenal. And, I mean, I was like, it was one of those episodes after I finished watching, I I couldn't get to bed because I was just, it it was just so profound and just touched me in so many ways. uh, And how they the story that they told in that episode and and of course i had to have a sarah belmont director filter on when angela was jumping out the window and and how 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 regina king just emoted so much in
0: mm-hmm.
1: in, in that sequence so i mean I, I know you're still digesting it and stuff and and all but I mean, I just, I just really love that episode, and I, there's, you're right. There is so much on right now. This show would have been so. I wish they would have put it on this summer because um, I, I feel like it's, it's, it's doing tr- obviously tremendous numbers and and ratings. But I feel like now with the Mandalorian being out, it, it coming on at the same time, it, it's kind of getting. People are watching it and they're talking about it and it's buzzworthy. But you know, I don't. It's, but it still feels like kind of cultish, like, as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think, um, thanks for bringing up Mandalorian, because I didn't realize, I mean, in this day of streaming, competing time slots, um... I still I, I don't have a sense of because I stream everything. I'm always a day behind, or if if they drop the same night, then I, I usually have my preference. But it's very interesting to compare Watchmen to Mandalorian because with Watchmen you have this very cult genre specific, mm-hmm. huge ideas, huge concepts, and and an hour-long Mandalorian. Franchise-driven, mm-hmm. arguably cultish, but is, is, is Star Wars really a cult these days? I feel like everyone at least loves every, the every, pieces of Star Wars. It's yeah. very commercial. Yeah. And yet, it's a half hour or 40 minutes. And some people complain, and I'm one of the complainers about that. But it's also interesting because with the half hour, it almost feels like it's not enough. And it's not really the competitive TV show that we wanted and thought we were going to get. Mm-hmm. Instead, I feel like we're getting um, we're getting chapters of a book yeah. about yeah. the Mandalorian. And the latest the latest chapter I liked. I still prefer the the one before. Yeah. Um, better.
1: How did you?
0: But Baby Yoda is knocking it out of the park.
1: <laughs> oh god. Um, <laughs> yeah. His
0: comedic timing. I mean you can tell he's wise up for his age because he he just nails it every time. Um it it's starting to grow on me in the sense of having your main character always in a mask. Mm-hmm. And um but but there's still something there's still something light about it which right now it's much more digestible for me than Watchmen is, but I still crave some of the big ideas that Watchmen is going through. Like arguably see episode three of Watchmen is one of my favorite episodes of TV this year. Yeah. I love that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there isn't an episode of Mandalorian that I can say like, Oh, this is, good competition like this is comparable because it's very different it's a very different show
1: it is a very different show um and but i think you 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 know i think i'm glad we're having this discussion because it really does get to the, the 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 you know how fandom approaches things because both of these shows, you know, Watchmen you have people who are like so wedded to the comic book and you know, it was like sacrilege as far as the things that they were doing and now, you know, with what they did with Hood of Justice and and really telling a grand story about you know, how people deal with superheroes and 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 the through lines of dealing with trauma and and, and, and generational Issue generational issues with things like racism and homophobia and other things like that, and it, it, you know, so on a platform like a comic book show. And we've talked about this before with other shows like Cloak and Dagger that dealt with serious issues on, on a scale, but Watchmen takes it to like the next level. Um, and then Mandalorian, which is a very, as you mentioned, you know, very commercial. I mean, it is you're already seeing the merch coming out there as far as like Baby Yoda but it is a different show and and it is a touching on a t- touching on themes like this week's episode you know it was a very familiar story you know you're always gonna have with the Seven samurai uh, western thing you know you've, I've seen that many people talk about that and and it is that you know that is basically what this, ep- this bottle episode of this week was um, it was a very familiar episode but I liked the touches that they they've added to this character because again, he is wearing a mask. And thinking about mask in in The Watchmen, there's different differing reasons for why these characters are, are, are masked. And like in the in the thing that that stuck out stood out to me in the Mandalorian episode this week was if he takes his mask off in the presence of others, then he has mm-hmm. to leave the order. And you know, so I was like, huh you know that's that. You know that's that adds a, a a level of depth to this character that, you know, once you get past the glitz and you know commercialism of Star Wars, that's a really kind of profound thing. Like, you know, I gotta think about this. Like, he, you know, he could take the mask off and have this perfect life with this 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 character, this young this woman he met on this planet, and be done with all his responsibilities and baby Yoda can just, you know, have his playmates and they all live happily ever after. But that's a huge sacrifice that he would have to make if he did so. And even though we can't see this character's face, there's just so many little things like that, that have made me drawn to, to the Mando and, and obviously baby Yoda's, I mean, the hell is, this? he's, he's so cute you can't help, but feel, uh, feel affection for that character but i mean each week i'm finding that with the mandalorian i always sit there thinking when i'm watching episodes you know i don't know if it's a voice intonation or body language or what but i'm becoming attached to this character more so than i have than say some of the ones in the new trilogy
0: yeah yeah i i think i think you're right that they They have managed to introduce a character to us that we are learning to appreciate, to become connected to. And that's the power of TV. Mm -hmm. I mean, these movies, these new characters, yeah, for two hours, two plus hours, we are attached to them. We're in their world and everything. It's a very, and then you turn, and then it ends. And you go about your way. And Mm -hmm. you may rewatch it. You may... Read comic books, but it's still not the same, or other stories, graphic novels about it, still not the same characters that you see on screen. TV, though, you're literally watching them every week. Yeah. They, they become part of your routine. It's like what we've, we've talked about in the past with Flash and Arrow, where Barry and Oliver, they're like the older brothers. Like we've been watching them for years at this point, right. and for 23 weeks they are part of our routine. You watch them certain nights of the week and everything. And I even actors have pointed out that that there is something much more intimate than about TV and the nature of it than there ever will be about movies. Um, I also I also think, and I'm not trying to detract from what you just said about Mandalorian because. There are some shows that I watch that I'm not attached to, regardless of how often I watch them. Um, I'm I'm attached to Regina Angela in Watchmen for sure. We we've had our discussions about Elliot Alderson, which yeah, yeah. <laughs> whole other situation because that's another example. You you're given this opportunity to to. Retain that connection every time you air you take a year off in between seasons suddenly you're on a th- thin thread and then you make a discovery about one of the characters and it's like you cut the cord on everything but yeah, that's yeah. that's a whole nother rant so I I'm, I'm with you I am I am starting to get more attached to Mandalorian because I want his safety you know mm-hmm. you, you know he's on the run right now Yeah, with good reason. Yep, and, and and you you want to make sure at the end of this he is okay, and so is Baby Yoda.
1: Exactly, exactly, and it's and it's such a it's such a simple story, but it's just the way that they have, and like you said, it is like a chapter in a book. So you know, each week you're just like, okay, I can't wait to get to the next chapter. I mean, I've gotten to, that's how I've gotten, at least for me, uh, how I have gotten to, with this with this show. And it's
0: what we need right now, because with everything else, like we were just talking before, and I was complaining because Watchmen is such a dense, connected universe, multi-layer, yet political um, plot points to it. And yet, also, we're we're focused on this DC extended universe that's leading to this giant crossover event, and yet, you sit down and watch a 30-minute episode of Mandalorian, it is a breath of fresh air.
1: It is. It is. It is
0: very... It is it is um, it's a timeout from all of the other white noise that is going on with TV right now.
1: Yeah. 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 And and yeah. And, yeah, you know, it's uh, I just I just want baby Yoda plush toy. <laughs> <laughs> you would.
0: All right. Well, I think that's it for us tonight. This has been a great conversation. Will, why don't yeah. you tell our listeners where they can find you?
1: Yes, you can find me at Will and Polk. That's W I L L M P O L K.
0: You can find me at S J Belmont. S J B E L M O N T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Scene Nerd. Friend us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spotify. Good night, geek out. You're welcome.